Hello, comedy nerds. I'm Mike George. And I'm Masavia Greer. Welcome to Comedy Anatomy. Today, we're going to talk to someone that works behind the scenes, uh, Maureen Terry. Maureen started out working at the prestigious Just for Last Festival in Montreal. She was a comedy manager in New York, and it's led to where she is today as a vice president TV executive in comedy. Now, please enjoy our chat with Maureen Terry. Maureen Tarrant, thank you for coming to Comedy Anatomy. Thank you for having me. So Maureen, you're from Canada. Yes, I am. Born and, and raised. Always wanted it from our conversations. Always wanted to be in comedy. Yeah, I always, I was very, very fortunate and very lucky that I knew very early on when I was a teenager, like early on, like 13, 14, like 12, 13, 14. I was always drawn to comedy and loved it. And, but I also never wanted to be a performer or anything like that. And, you know, so yeah, I knew very early on that I wanted to be in it and I was drawn to show business. And um, so, yeah, I just, I was very lucky. I got a, I got a job very young early on at, at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, you know, and I was just exposed to all of the great comedians and everybody in the industry. And would and, you say and that was, Just for Laughs, that's the biggest festival in the world still, right? For the biggest comedy festival in the world, or it's yeah, up there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just for, for people sure, listening yeah. who don't, who don't know Just for Laughs. Yeah, it's massive. It's where and it was not mad when I was there. It was so small compared to the, what it is today. And it was huge then. There's so many guys. That's where all the deals come out of. Right. I mean, like sitcoms. Uh... It's an and to this day, it's still, you know, it's not like it was back in the day when, you know, you'd go there, do a set and then it could literally change your life forever. But it's still such a huge stepping stone, like everything in everybody's career. It's never just like one thing. It's a multitude of things. And right. it's. It's a very, I always say it's the very significant brick with a lot of cement uh, in, if you sort of, you know, metaphorically speaking, look at your career as like you're building these blocks. It's a huge, it's huge and it's important. It could be something as little as running into somebody in an elevator and hey, we should have a cup of coffee. You can do that. And then that coffee can lead to a meeting. And that meeting, you know what I'm saying? Like it's all part of it. You know what I was thinking too? It, both of you guys were not, well, Mo, you started as a comedian, you and earlier, I mean, when you were the teenager, right? With Dave, yes. With Dave, with Dave Chappelle, right. So for me, like, you know, I started as a performer. It's so interesting to talk to you guys, though. You saw the business side of it as something more interesting. You saw, you didn't want to be the shining star on the stage. And I'm talking as a young, as a young person, you're often drawn to, you want the money, you want to be famous, you want everyone to love you. And it's interesting that I actually don't even think there, there's that many people I know who started out uh, wanting to be on the other side. What do you think it was that you looked at the performing part and were like- I, It's asking, did you ever want to be a chef? No, but I like to eat. Like I, I, it's just never, it's never even crossed my mind. And the only, you know, I, I could be a funny person, like just, you know, I have a good sense of humor and I could be funny in a conversation, but it's like, I understand and I know how much work it takes and how, what you see on a stage is very different from just being naturally funny in the middle of a conversation. Whenever I would scout and look for comedians, I have different like categories that I would put them in. And I always, I have a file called um, dinner party comedians. And these are people that I know they were at a dinner party and somebody said they were funny and they should get on stage. It was like, no, you should not do that. But they thought, yeah, I'm going to get on stage. I mean, we all have seen those people that it's like, yeah, it's, you could, well, you're do you, just what do you think to the parties. Who, who uh, there's people who, um, like there's a lot of comedians who are hilarious on stage, but they're more craftsmen in the sense of wordplay. I mean, meaning they're not jokers. You don't, they're not the hilarious people to hang around the table with and joke around. 
but they do great on stage. Do you see those as different types of performers, funny people versus people who are funny on stage? Only? Yeah. And, 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 and some of the, some of, I think most of the best ones are both, you know what I mean? But they may, but only with their friends, like, because I'm like, if you're, let's say if you're hanging around, although I was going to say like Kevin Hart, like Kevin, I think would be hilarious if he was with strangers or his best friends, right? right? Like that's yeah. Kevin's personality, but there's some people they're more, you know, they're, they're more shy or they're more quiet and hanging out just with their comedy friends. They're really funny. But then if strangers come over, they're just like David Tell. I literally was, I, <laughs> that's who I was seeing. So, David Tell, head. yeah. So David, so, okay. So David Tell, who's that's an who amazing- that's so funny. So, so to hang out with Dave, is is he not funny to like, Dave is one of the greatest comics ever. So there's yeah, not even the a question greatest. he's yes. a great comic. Yes. Oh, but the best. just hanging out with him, is it jovial sense to it at all? Or you mean just in your own experience? I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I can't there. I don't know how to describe the love that I have for him. Like it's so next level, mm -hmm. uh, but he's more reserved. Like right. he's sort of one liners, that, right? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, it'll be like a one liner. Yeah. And it'll be fucking cutting it'll just be so and you are and then he walks away and then he just walks away and you're like where are you going where the fuck are you going <laughs> well from that's the thing like from the business oh, side of it depending on what you want out of your career right because you which you haven't even gotten into yet like you've worked on you've worked on the network side you've worked at just for laughs you've done a million different things how important is it to be funny in the room in these meetings like you come to a network and you're hilarious and they love you. And regardless if you're funny or on stage, we're going to assume that's the case because you wouldn't even be in the room if you're not funny on stage. But does that matter from what you've seen? Um, I think it really depends who you're meeting with. You know, um, I, I, look, I think the funnier anybody is in any social situation, it's a better hang regardless. Um, but I think it really depends. It, you know, nobody wants to be sitting in a meeting where it's like, so the snow wow it's really coming down i mean no, you know what right. i'm saying like grasping for something to talk about but um but when people are on like they're trying to be on i think that to me is more uncomfortable than the silence yes um, but that's just me personally that, that's trying too hard doing the little dance that just feels like very inauthentic and yeah and, and yeah. like you know and there's a desperation to it and you're do you see that does that happen all the time all the time <laughs> But that time. can change your that can change your view of someone, right? I mean, whether if they're close to maybe getting something going with you, and it does it can it change your view if that person is just too aggressive or too obnoxious or well, they want it too bad. It seems you know? needy and I could answer this more, you know, with a little more clarity, depending on who else on the business side is in the room, right? Like right. It, it, it has a, it's, it's a lot to do with what are you trying to accomplish and what, and who else is in the room? And there's so many moving parts, but I, I personally, when I was on the representation side, I would never set up a client for a meeting without absolutely like having an agenda and knowing what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be talking about. And right a good manager is, you know, they're there to set it up and they're there to make sure that their client shines. So it's, you know, and in all the time, all the communities that represented and all the development deals that I was a part of, it's cause there was, we had this perfect sort of game. Like I remember when Gary Goldman and I- um, Oh, you rep Gary Goldman. I don't think I knew that. 
So you really know him. I mean, I love him. He's a dear friend and we had a really good, um, we had a great, we had two great runs together. And also because we were such good, good friends. So it's really, it's fun when you get to work with your friends and make money with your friends. Like it's fun, right? That's amazing. I kind of want to back up a little bit because you were at Just for Laughs. That's where you got your start. Mm -hmm. um, after that, you- After that, I moved to, I moved to New York. And, moved to New York. Uh, yeah, and I worked with Barry Katz, which is where Masavi and I met. And- right. uh, and yeah, and I met Gary there as well. But very, we'll we'll get back to this to finish up with the Gary thing because we were talking about like going yes, around. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So you know, we you know we had a pitch. We were going out the pitch, and you know we had it was almost like you know you're rehearsing a scene. Like he would, I would tee him up, and if there was the lull, like I would you know. But it's about them. It's not about you. So um, so my point is, if you know, if anyone is, you're on the if you're a comedian, whatever, an actor, and you're going into those meetings, if, if you're not comfortable, if you're shy, you know, like the, there should be something then set up for that. So if it's, you're meeting with network executives and they should be aware of that so that they're not uncomfortable and weird, you know, it's, you have to really prepare. Like I'm an over preparer. I'm an over planner. So you wanted to be a manager. No, I was actually, I was still in Montreal. And uh, so I'd worked at just for last for three years. Right. And uh, really, I knew so many people. So I, I was sort of introduced to, well, do I want to be an agent? Do I want to be a manager? Do I want to, I wanted to make television shows. I wanted to work and, and produce television shows with comedians. I came to New York to take a bunch of meetings. And uh, I met with uh, the Jon Stewart show. They were looking for a talent coordinator and I met, it was the MTV Jon Stewart show. And I had a meeting at Comedy Central and I was going to the Letterman show to watch a taping. And I walked by, um, there was this diner on the corner of uh, 7th Avenue and 57th Street. And I walked by the diner and Barry was in the diner and I knocked on the window and I waved. He came running out and he goes, where are you going? And I said, uh, well, I'm here, I'm taking a bunch of meetings. Um, and he said, well, you gotta come by after cause you know, our company's expanding and growing. And uh, I mean, we're, we're looking to hire people. And I was like, okay. And I sat through the Letterman taping, left the taping, came back, met with Barry and Rick Dorfman and talked about what we wanted to do and decided that night I'm gonna come work for them. Went back to Montreal, like packed up my stuff and I moved to New York a month later with a suitcase and $500 and nowhere to live. Pretty crazy. And I'm not even gonna tell you what little money I earned. Yes, yeah. so then I, I ended up working there for uh, 10 years. After how many years were you your own manager, had your own roster of comics? R very soon. That's and great. I, well, <laughs> I don't know that it was necessarily, but you know what, when you look back on it, it was like the greatest years because a lot of us didn't know what we were doing, but it was okay in a way. It wasn't that oh, we made. So you yeah. felt like, did you get ahead of yourself at the time? I mean, just in the sense of you were so young and. I wish I had had a little bit more experience because there were so many great comedians that we lost um, over yeah. the years that I think if I had. The best roster in the business, right? I mean, the yeah. Best roster, the best yeah. roster. And, there, and, there were, and I will say, and again, you know, again, like these, these memories that you have throughout like life of people that have said things that have really hurt you or really helped you. And, um, and I'm so thankful for like Wanda Sykes, who um, we represented and uh, she had just been hired on the Chris Rock show and she came into the office and we were, I was so excited. Like she's gonna be working on the, you know, the Chris Rock show. This is incredible. This is amazing. 
and she fired us and she came into my office and she said to me, she said, you know, um, I'm going to be moving on, but you're going to be a rock star. She said this to me. I'll never forget it. She said, you're, you're going to be a rock star. You aren't a rock star yet, but you're going to be one to be so young and to not even to not feel the hurt of being fired you know you don't you don't understand also the financial like ramifications i didn't right. have anyway fast forward to i was probably 3 years ago maybe um at where i'm working and we end up doing a show with her production company we're sitting we're at the upfront party and we're in the you know limousine and we're on our way to the party and my boss at the time uh, and the president of the network we're all in the car together and the vp of development who developed the show and we're all like having a great time in this limo and she starts telling that story to like my now this is 20 years ago and wow. she's telling the story to my bosses who have you know they like me they clearly hired me we've worked together yeah it's cooler like the next day she my boss came into my office and she said you know that was so sweet she goes is it hard like you see you know wanda today like she's this huge you know successful celebrity she goes do you ever have those like regrets like maybe if you stayed in it or something like in management and i said i said you know people ask me that all the time and i'm so fortunate for like i had all of these real pure amazing moments with so many people that are big celebrities today that you can't have that with somebody when it, not to say that celebrities aren't capable of that no but it's just you know things are different once you're at that level and i i wouldn't trade the fact that i got to work with all these people before they became right. such big deals cuz there's an understanding like they'll always feel comfortable and there's a trust you know yeah. like a lot of the comedians who are big now still have that same sort of uh sweet personality you know even though it's harder they can always reflect back to the days when we had or you had that they can say wow i feel really comfortable i know that this person uh yeah. genuinely knows me or cares yeah. comedy is a very unique art form that you you i always say like everybody has to go through the like the vietnam stage you know you could be in you can come out you can be an actor two people can graduate from Juilliard and one within a month could be in a film that will land them an Oscar nomination yeah. and one could never get booked in anything. Like it's, 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 it's a little like different that. when you're an actor with comedy, everyone's got to go through many years and a lot of the terrible gigs, the terrible clubs, the yeah. shitty condos, the, you know, the whatever in Poughkeepsie, like everybody's got it. And you could be Seinfeld and then you still have to go back to those rooms. You don't just walk into Madison Square Garden with your next hour. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So I think that's also what keeps the community so tight. Is that the driving force for you, the people? I mean, you still seem passionate about comedy. Is oh, it yeah. the relationships? As we all know on this podcast, there's easier ways to make money than being in the comedy industry. Um, 100% my passion, my passion and love for it watching it, nurturing it, watching it develop. I love doing that as much today as I did 25 years ago. Uh, and the people, I've never felt more comfortable or at home. Being with comedians is is just, yeah, it's it just feels like, yeah, this is right. You know, people go, oh, they're all fucked up. They're all broken. It's like, who isn't fucked up and broken? People right. in comedy at least own it and acknowledge right. it. And they're also, they're the smartest people. There's so much that we're all feeling from this 
year and change. People keep going this past year. I'm like, it's not over yet. But not being with people and laughing, I miss it more than anything. What I wouldn't do to just sit in a booth in a comedy club and just hang out. I miss that. I think I miss that more than like, if you said you can't eat for a month, but you can hang out at the cellar with all everybody, I'd be like, where I'd be already be there before you finish the sentence. Like that's how much I miss it. What made you decide to get out of management then? Was that, was the next step out of management onto the network side? No, I went to the, to just for laughs. Oh, that's it, right. You uh, went back yeah, to just yeah. for laughs. Mm-hmm, yeah. It, Cause it was a, it was a phenomenal opportunity. And they're like, Hey, do you want to come be the VP of programming? I mean, I started there faxing invitations <laughs> and right. this was 14 years later being invited back to oversee. It was, it was like, it was huge. It was a huge honor. And I stayed on for a year consulting with them and I did independent producing and uh, sold a show to Showtime that I produced the stage version of a show called The Green Room with Paul Provenza. We did the stage version in Montreal and we ended up selling it to Showtime and got two seasons out of it. And I worked on the first season and then I got hired at Epics and that was my first um, network job, yeah. How do you pick which way to go, which job to take next? I started doing this thing a long time ago where I list the things I definitely don't want. That's interesting. And it's like, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it's almost like, oh, if that, you know, because we get so caught up on all of the things that are fabulous. It's like, well, look at what isn't fabulous. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing, yeah. especially when it comes to a job and it doesn't matter if you're whatever side you're on, performer or business, when people say like, what do you do for a living? And I go, well, I can, you know, if, if it's, you say the title, it sounds really sexy and fabulous. What's important is the day to day. That's the job. Right. Wake, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night. What's going on in but between? I do agree with what you're saying and relate to everything can become a grind. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like every, there's highs, there's lows, but after a while, the dopamine or whatever that made it new and magical wears off and it's a gig. And, and that's okay. I think that's just, that's where the hard work kicks in, right? Where you have to start digging in and finding that next level that keeps you passionate, that makes it worthwhile. So how do you relate to that? Every single time I would walk into a club and, and see one of those, whoever it is that makes me go, wow, that's incredible. That's all I need. A good example of that is I saw Sam Jay when she was in New York showcasing or she was on like a new talent night or something at Caroline's. She was still living in Boston and I'm sitting at Caroline's and I'm watching her and I was like, there, there it is. There's the diamond in the rough right there. And I was thinking of Patrice O'Neill. I was thinking she had this, like, I'm just going to sit back and tell you my jokes. You're going to like it. You're going to join me with it or you're, or you're not like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to grab you. You're going to come to me. So I just thought she was just, and also she, her jokes were great. And anyway, I bring her in for, an, for a meeting and we meet and we had this great meeting. And then fast forward, you know, she's doing all these wonderful things. Um, my boss sent me an email like last week, she had watched her special and said, oh my God, she's so great. She's so fantastic. And I literally, I, I wrote her this long email, like, you know, oh, I love that you love her. And I told her the story when I first saw her. And then I ended up we booked her on the Patrice O'Neill comedy benefit and Bill had never seen her before. Um, and Bill saw her, watched her, loved her. And then asked, and then she opened for him, like with some of his huge, you know, tour dates. And I'm like, it's just, 
so that that moment when I was at Caroline's and I watched her and that like you just see you can see me you're, you the audience can't hear or see me but it's like you get that excitement then seeing Bill have it and then of course all the success she's having and and then like my boss is like oh she's great and I'm like yeah it's it's that it's the exact same feeling it's it's I've never been a drug addict but my understanding is you're always chasing that high, right? It's never, and but so that for me, that is that high that I, I keep getting that high back again. It's like, I saw it, I got it. Somebody else saw it and got it. It's not yeah. like I saw it first. It's not that, I don't give a shit about that. Somebody else saw her before me. It's, it's this is so great. This brought me joy. Somebody else got that same joy. And yeah. I still feel the same today as I did when I first started from that experience, do you understand? So yeah, with comedians, and I think for comedians, you can have, you can bomb 20 sets in a row. You just need to walk into that one club, that one arena state, whatever it is where they go ballistic. You're like, ah, so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's knowing that as long as that keeps happening, you're going to be okay. You just don't know how long the stretch might be in between. Cause it's so funny. I see you like, you know, people can't see you, but I see how much you light up when you talk about yeah. seeing these performers and it's a, it's something so visceral. Yeah. I, and that's why the, I really, I miss, you know, when people say, well, you can watch stuff online. I'm like, well, but also making a video there's, that's a whole different skill set. That's a whole mm -hmm. different technique. That's a, that's, you know, but just pure stand-up comedy, just pure writing of jokes, microphone on a stage talking about whatever's going on in the world or what they're feeling like. I miss that. I really, really, I miss that a lot. Do you ever do you know? a sketch and things like that? Improv? Like, is, is it strictly stand-up that you've been focusing on for most of your career? Oh, no, no. Every, I mean, you know, sketch, uh, yeah, improv, all of it. Um, and also I did, I represented actors for a time. Like I had people that were dramatic actors too, but but it's always within the, the work-wise comedy. But I mean, I it's funny, I watch more dramatic movies and and series like pers like what i watch more on television or streamers whatever it is that actually tends to be more um on the dramatic side than yeah. the comedic but maybe yeah, there's that, just no it makes it's, sense I think it's really hard to make great comedy it's hard to make a great sitcom it's hard it's to hard make to great comedy and also when it's your business there's always that part of your brain that's working whether it's from oh this person's not the right cast to that joke wasn't well written to how'd this get on tv to oh i know the person who put this there's just a lot going on in your brain sometimes besides just sitting back and enjoying it oh yeah i can't do that with no you're absolutely wait, let me ask you this what do you think about all of the uh stand-up comedy taking place on zoom do you think it's just going to last until covid is done or you know i i started watching uh a lot of the zoom shows and the truth was it was it was, i just missed it so i just missed seeing people and i missed uh, it of course it doesn't even come close to no. the same I, it, um but no. but i just liked seeing like you know i'd see my friend like it was it was it's like i'll take this i would love to have you know a let's say a very fancy meal but i'm starving so i'll take the mcdonald's <laughs> right exactly pre-covid nobody would consider this a show like a bunch of people on zoom doing jokes is not stand up by any means and would not you wouldn't even have said in 2019 oh i performed last night on zoom and you know what? i think maybe if you're younger if you're real if you're 20 you're like no this totally works but and it all depends on how it's done. Like um, the ones that I've seen, uh, 
you know, it's, it, it's, it's more like um, an interactive. So like, you know, Ray, I don't know if you've seen Ray Ellen does them in there. And I, I think what he does is it works. It it's, he sort of like, um, he interacts with the audience a lot too. Like the audio, you know, he, and he controls it all from a tech he's standpoint. He's unique like, that way though. Ray is really yeah, unique that way. Yeah. And I, so I think he's in, you know, he's a friend. So, but, but I'm not just saying that because like, he's, I think what he's doing is it's well produced and it's, it's yeah, well, that like makes a difference. figured out sure. a way to, you know, he, he sort of like, he's, you know, he controls all the boxes and he's also, he's producing the show and hosting it. So, you know, if he cut, you know, he cuts, Hey, you know, all right, Mo. So you want to tell us about, you know, I heard you had this great, you know, dinner last night and then whatever, then the screen goes to Mo, he does his bit. And as he's doing that, you know, Ray's looking at all the boxes and then he has people to cut to, he unmikes them and then he talks to them. So it's, wow. you know, and he's a really great, um, he's good at like, you know, hosting and, and just, yeah. he knows how to like, he's, he's a pro at that. So I thought no, that was a well lot done. more inventive than what I'm talking about though. That's like someone really getting creative with the medium. Yeah. I, I just, it was just people going like coming up next, Jim, and then Jim would stand, stand, it looked like a conference call. And he's like, you know what I hate about licorice? And you're just like, what are we doing? I feel like I'm in a horrible meeting. Yeah, yeah, because um, that's, that's what it is. From the that's dead exactly too. It is. Yeah. Is there an ultimate for you though? I mean, or do you, are you going with the flow at this moment or is there really an ultimate? I don't know if you can answer that. But. Yeah, that's a great question. Like where you'd want to be, where you want to go. Mm. That is a really good question. It's so, it is really hard to answer that question right now because boy, did we all have plans. <laughs> uh, I just want to get to a place where I could be in a room with people and not wearing a mask and laughing and not worrying. Um, that's literally all I want to get to. I can't even imagine the joy and happiness I'll feel when I'll get there. I don't ever feel like I didn't appreciate things but I will appreciate it on such a bigger level. I was really happy. I was, I was happy and I want to, um, yeah, I would love to just, I'd love to keep working with comedians in comedy and being part of the giant machine of business that helps bring it to life, whatever and however I can be a part of that. I don't have to be the I don't, I never wanted to be like, you know, the biggest boss of anything. Like I've, no, I, I love work. I just want to work with people that I love, that I enjoy being with and making a product that I'm really proud of. And then I would enjoy watching is like, that's great. kind of it. Is that too much? No, that's well spoken. No, that's great. That's well spoken. And I want to meet somebody and fall in love. That's, I want well, to do that too. Well, we can. I, I don't think you'll have that problem, Maureen. Trust me. I always tell you. Oh, that. it's been a problem. It's the, yeah. Cause this is, well, this COVID. is where I am. It's COVID. You got to give yourself a bit of a break. <laughs> COVID. So yeah. uh, one last thing what we like to do is focusing on career in mm -hmm. comedy. Can you remember a time where you just felt so knocked down um, and had to pick yourself up? And we do this really for people who want to be in this business and, and, and to hear the realities of some of these things and overcoming challenges. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, I, I was let go from a, job and uh from a certain someone that wasn't you know not that there's like a incredibly nice way to let someone go but there's an also that also there's like an overly really shitty way to do it and this person specialized in that form and um 
and it was like, yeah, like, and, and I got very caught up on that incident was like represented the business. And it's like, no, that incident represented a person and that person doesn't represent this business. And there are a lot of people, I think in our business that think that, you know, well, this is the way it's done. It's like, no, that's the way you do it. And just one asshole doesn't represent this entire industry. So it was reminding myself of that and then leaning on all the people that love me, that care about me, that I knew were gonna tell me that it was gonna be okay and that I was gonna be okay and that, you know, this wasn't everything. And, um, but that's all hindsight. Like when you're in it, it's impossible to do that. Um, and, you know, reaching out to people and saying, I need this help or I need, you know, we have to, we all have to be better at that. I was terrible at that for a very long time. I'm still not great at that. I have friends to this day that are calling me on a weekly basis. Cause they're like, they know that I'm not going to call them and tell them. Cause when I'm in a dark place, like I really, I go dark and I'm alone and I just, and I've been doing a lot this whole year. There's been a lot of like me just being alone and, and, you know, and I'm so grateful for the people that reach out because they know that I'm not, I'm not good at it, but you know, it's just realizing like that those, whatever that thing is that knocked you down, that is that one isolated thing and it doesn't represent everything. And it's never, you know, it's, and I think comedians particularly like are very caught up in like what everybody else thinks. Cause that's, literally is the foundation of the business for them. Right. It's like, do they like me or do they not like me? And, um, you know, and I do that too. I'm not a performer, well, how, but I, I, you know, I do that. I'm very, I get very caught up and do they like me? I need them to like me. And of course you want people to like you, but it's, it's okay. Like I'm learning now, which is just an age thing. It's like, it's okay if they don't like me, which is different from who gives a shit what they think. Yeah. Well, that's, you do when you say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think when someone's like, I don't give a shit. It's like, well, so you right. do give a shit a little bit, but, right. but when you were, when you got let go from this job, how, how long was it before you felt okay again? Yeah. I mean, it took, it definitely took a while and I've had 10 more since then. It's just, you just, you get up and you, I always go back to, you know, the scene of the crime and I go back to all of those fetal positions um, and all of those like, you know, and literally like crying and shaking and like, how am I gonna, you know, and I associate so much of like, um, I'm not gonna have money, I'm not gonna be able to support myself because I grew up with a lot of that too. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there is like a foundation of like trauma that, you know, I... but it's also knowing that it's like what there, there's, a, there's trauma at this core and knowing that it's also, I did a lot of like learning about the way the brain functions, which was very helpful to me. Mark Marin talks a lot about it. It's, um, you know, it's like, we've learned a lot about how trauma can affect your brain and trauma doesn't actually know time. So if something happens that triggers an emotion that is associated with that traumatic event, it, your brain literally thinks like it's happening in real time again. But you have to just give yourself permission to go through the process and surround yourself with people that are going to nurture you and then help you get up again. You know, don't be, you know, people then just find those people and know who those people are. And, and I know who my go-to people are. And, and the, I have, a, I have wonderful people that aren't my go-to people. It doesn't mean I love them any less, but they're just, you know, 
like people that there were people that were like, you can more ain't enough already. Like you can do this. It's like, I, I need a hug now. Give me that speech in an hour right now. I need a hug. <laughs> so it's just, and also I have a very, very good friend. One of my best friends who um, gave me the greatest advice once about relationships, but it's a career, same thing. Nobody can read your mind and you have to remember that every day. So just because some, you know, do we just assume, well, they must know how upset I am or, or how angry I am or how frustrated I am. It's like, no, you have to tell them. So, right. you know, we just, it's, Lorraine, it's, yeah. I must say, I, uh, I adore you. Oh, and I adore you too. And, and, uh, thank you for coming on too. And well, just, thank you for having me. It means a lot. Thank you. And that's your Amen. love and knowledge. Yes. Marie, yeah, Marie, thank you so much. Look, I, I love this business. I love I love all the people in it and I, we got to keep it alive and we got to keep supporting it because it, it's been hit hard and, right. co and congratulations, you guys, this is great. Again, any, anything that supports our industry, I just want to, I want to support and be a part of. Well, you're so definitely much. a big part of that. And that's why we have you on, you know? Yes. Oh, well, thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, party people, thank you so much for listening. And please remember to subscribe and also give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, leave a comment or you can ask any question you like on comedyanatomy.com. <laughs>